All right. The boots have come out. I don't know if that's for the roping or the cool weather, but uh, a lot of little kids in boots these days. That's great. Today, I get to uh, choose a passage out of a central section there at Jeremiah. Since we did not have Bible class, I didn't have a passage to preach from that you studied also in class. So um, I had a little freedom here. And reading through those chapters, one particular passage really drew my eye. And it's for a couple of reasons, which I'll talk about in a moment. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this passage from Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning in verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of the drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The Word of God. As I mentioned a moment ago, this particular passage really drew my eye this week for a couple of reasons. One is, as I was reading it, I thought, Psalm 1. Uh, It it repeats a lot of the same message of the psalm that we read to begin uh, this morning together. Psalm 1, about the tree planted beside the water. And the other thing that really drew my eye was just simply the word tree. I don't know, have you ever been reading through a scripture and for some reason something in that scripture just jumps out at you that you hadn't really stopped to think about before? Well, as I began reading this, I thought, you know, the Bible talks a lot about trees. There's a lot of Bible stories that have to do with trees. And it seems like that the people of the Bible times that lived in Bible lands seem to have a real appreciation and love for trees. And that's not surprising, because if you've ever been to Israel, you know, Israel looks a lot like West Texas. Whenever Pat and I went over there a few years ago, we kept commenting on that. This looks like home It's a semi-arid or arid land without a whole lot of trees. And when you don't have a lot of trees, you tend to appreciate trees. I mentioned this morning for Jake's sake that, uh, you know, I feel sorry for people that grew up in Pennsylvania and West Virginia uh, or even East Texas because they tend to take trees kind of for granted. Whenever Pat and I moved to East Texas uh, several years ago, the goal we had was to buy a house with a lot of trees. And so uh, we had a a dear friend, she became a dear friend, that went to church with us that was our real estate agent. And she kept taking us around and showing us houses. And one of the selling points about houses was she'd say, and this one doesn't have trees. And we go, but we want trees. We want big, tall pine trees. 
And she would just look with this horrified look on her face and say, no, you don't, because they're always dropping something. You know, all year round, something's falling out of them. And then if the wind blows very hard, they fall over on top of your house. So you want to stay away from trees. And I just felt sorry for her. I felt sorry for all these people that they had grown up with all these beautiful trees and just didn't appreciate them like those of us who don't see quite that many trees. So I thought, you know, what I want to do is kind of just go back in my mind and through the Bible and, and realize how many ways trees are used to make illustrations. Now, some of the occurrences of trees in the Bible are rather incidental to the story. Uh, for example, one of the first stories that we learn as a little child is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And what did he do? He climbed up in the sycamore tree. Right, okay. Uh, The tree doesn't have a lot to do with that story, but we certainly think about it. I I thought of the story of Absalom. Absalom was the rebellious son of David, King David. And he was so rebellious that he organized an army and was able to drive his father out of the land. He conducted a revolution right there in the land of Israel. And at the end of that story, whenever David's army is reasserting itself and coming back in and recapturing the land, Absalom is riding his mule away as fast as he can, fleeing from the army that's after him. And he had this long flowing hair. Remember the story? And the mule runs under an oak tree and his hair gets caught in the tree. And so the mule keeps going, and he's there hanging in the tree. And uh, eventually meets his end in that way. Read the story of Abraham. Abraham's out sitting under a tree one day, and he looks up, and there's three men coming to his way, which is kind of unusual. He's out in the wilderness area, not a lot of people traveling by. And so he runs and invites them. It turns out, as he'll learn later on, that it's two angels and what seems to be a representation of God himself. And Abraham, being the hospitable man that he is, invites them to supper. And they spread it out under that big tree and sit there and enjoy the shade from the the heat of the desert air and eat together under the tree. Now, in other stories, though, The tree does have meaning. Those who just sort of pop up and say, yeah, there's a tree in that story. But another story about Abraham. Abraham, after years of wandering around in the land of Canaan, a land that was owned or possessed by other people, but God had promised him that would one day be his land and his descendants' land. And immediately after his family had almost disintegrated, in an argument between his two sons, or about his two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. And then right after he had gotten into a big fight with a neighbor about a well and whose well that was, it seemed like at just the time that Abraham might have thrown up his hands and said, I quit, it's all over, he goes to Beersheba and plants a tree. That's interesting. And why do we have that little story? He went to Beersheba and planted a tamarisk tree, a tree that takes a lot of care to get it going in that desert area. He planted the tree to say, I'm staying. This is home. 
When you go out and plant a tree, you're planting it not for that summer or the next year. You're planting it for the years to come and generations to come. And so Abraham expressed his faith that God is going to give my descendants this land. This will be home. And because this is home, I'm going to plant a tree. Now, there's other stories where the tree is very significant. Whenever God decided to illustrate to us what would be the greatest choice that any of us make in our lives, he chose a tree. He said, each one of us, beginning with Adam and Eve, are going to have to make a choice in our lives. Are we going to honor God as God or not? God exists. He is here. He made everything. But are we going to respect him as God? Are we going to listen to him? Are we going to obey him? Or are we going to do things the way that we want to do them? Now, that's a choice that Adam and Eve had to make. It's a choice that every single one of us has to make. Really, it's almost a choice that we make daily, isn't it? Is today going to be a day in which I live my life under the sovereignty of God? Am I going to try to use this day to do what He wants me to do? Am I going to behave myself? Am I going to do the things that are godly today? So when God put that choice before Adam and Eve, how did He do it? He put it in the form of a tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And said, I as God am telling you don't eat this fruit from this tree. But it was their choice. Were they going to do what seemed good to them? Or were they going to say, God is God. And I love God. I trust God. I'm going to stay away from that tree. We know what choice they made. We know what choice we often make. That even though God has warned us about certain things and said, don't do that, stay away from this, here is what is good, we oftentimes decide we will do what we want to do. And therefore, the tree remains meaningful to us as well. There was another tree in the garden. Does anybody remember what it was? The tree of life. That's right. Whenever God wanted to represent what it meant to live in relationship with him, and how he could give life, he was the source of life, he put another tree in the garden. He called it the tree of life. And whenever the human beings decided they weren't going to depend on God, then the tree of life goes away, doesn't it? They are driven out of the garden, and we never hear about that tree again until the very end of the Bible. In the book of Revelation... Whenever John starts telling us about eternity, when John starts telling us what it will be like to be in the presence of God, what will be there in eternity for us? The tree of life. The tree of life in which we will be invited to come and to eat and to live together. Not just simply to live a long time, like forever, but to live once again in relationship with God, just like he intended for us to be all along, way back there in Genesis. Book of Revelation talks about that tree being a tree of life 
and a tree of healing, a tree that will heal us from all the wounds and all of the bruises, everything that we have suffered in our lives. Now, that's interesting because there's one more tree that we have to talk about in connection with that. Another tree that perhaps we don't often think of as a tree, but in the Bible it's described like that. Peter and Paul use the word tree often in talking about the central event that brought us back to the tree of life. Listen to what Peter says when he's preaching a sermon in Acts chapter 5. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, but you killed him, how? By hanging him on a tree. Now Paul explains what all that means in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. He says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, what does it mean, the curse of the law? Well, that means a lot, but what it means really for me and for us today is that the curse of our sins. The law could only tell us what we had done wrong. When we read the law of God, we're convicted that we have not been godly people. When we see what God has said to do, what he has said not to do, not a one of us can read that list without saying, I haven't done those things, and I've done some things that I shouldn't have done. That is the curse of the law or the curse of our sin. So, then Paul quotes the book of Deuteronomy when he says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law because he became a curse for us. Because it's written back in Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Peter says, you killed Jesus by hanging him on a tree. Paul reminds us that that is the curse, that that is what happens to sinners. And anyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. And therefore, Jesus took that curse for us. Or as he says later on, or Peter says again, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that now free from sin, we can live again. We can live in righteousness because, I love this, By his wounds, we have been healed. The cross becomes a tree of life for us because it was a tree of curse for him. And by hanging on that tree, he bore our sins, our curse, and gives to us the healing that comes from the tree of life. We can say more about that, but... I wanted to look, too, at some of the ways ways that Jesus used trees in his teaching. Anyone know what he did with a fig tree? He cursed it. We've got a lot of cursing going on around here, too, don't we? Why did he curse a fig tree one day? It didn't have any figs on it. Now, the main lesson on that was that Israel was like the fig tree. The nation of Israel in Jesus' time had not been the nation God had really called it to be. And therefore, he was expressing that God would come to an end of his patience with with Israel. And therefore, he cursed the tree. And it withered up and died. Well, it's interesting to me that he he tells another parable, or he tells a parable a little bit later in Luke chapter 13, 
that we don't talk about a lot. It's kind of connected with that. But it's the story of a vineyard owner who plants a fig tree in his vineyard. And he plants it. He lets it grow for a year, for two years. He goes and goes, you know, I want some figs out of this tree because that's what fig trees are supposed to do. Oh, by the way, in Tyler, I had a fig tree too. I just wanted to let you all know that. <laughs> and the figs were wonderful for about a day. Uh, if you picked them one day early, they were no good. If you picked them one day late, they were rotten. But boy, when they were there, they were perfect. All right, so the guy goes and he starts looking for figs on his fig tree. And figs, you have to kind of look, you know, because they got those big old leaves. Maybe that's why Adam and Eve chose the fig leaf, right? Big old leaves. And the, the figs are little bitty things, and you have to pick up and kind of look around and, and then find them. There. So you can just see this guy going and looking. I planted a fig tree. I want figs. And after the third year, no figs, he tells the gardener, just chop that tree down. It's just taking up space, using up nutrients in the soil, and it's not producing anything. Now, there's a lot of interpretations for those, but I can't help but interpret that one personally. That maybe God comes and looks at my life occasionally says, come on. (laughs) Are you just taking up space? Are you just using up the nutrients that I'm giving you? Or are you producing something? The gardener, whom I see in this parable as Jesus himself, pleads with the owner, give me another year. Let me work on this tree one more year, and I'll fertilize it, I'll dig around it, I'll water it. We're going to get some figs out of this tree. I love that story because it kind of scares me because I'm supposed to be producing something out of all the blessings God has given me. But then I like the assurance, too, that he's going to work on us, the patience, and he'll keep working. That's our calling, is to be the tree that God has called us to be. Other times, Jesus talked about you can tell how good a tree is by what kind of fruit it puts out, all right? If a tree's good, it's going to make good fruit. And uh, we certainly learn from that that we need to look at people's lives and see what's being produced and decide if we want to follow in their steps or not. One of my favorite verses, we'll come back to this in a moment, is in Hebrews chapter 13, where there the writer encourages us to make sure we examine other people's lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we're judging them or condemning them, but notice people's whose lives are just good. Notice the outcome of their faith, it says, and then imitate them. Find someone whose life is producing what you want to produce, and not only admire them for that, but do the things that they're doing. Because the kind of tree, a good tree, will produce good fruit. Well, I'm almost out of time. We haven't got to our text yet. Back to Jeremiah chapter 17. It's interesting that this story, when we first read it, this little parable or uh, illustration, we get the idea that we're talking about two different kinds of trees. And we got one tree that's out in the desert, and that tree doesn't grow very high. Its growth is rather stunted, 
and it really struggles. Life is hard for a tree out in the desert. It gets little, if any, moisture. It has the hot, dry wind that blows against it. And most of us, when we've seen trees that are really out in the desert, they kind of lean a certain direction, don't they, from the prevailing winds. And Jeremiah says, a life of someone who tries to live without God is like that tree in the desert. The person who gives little thought to God and certainly doesn't seek any strength from God, who lives his life or her life basically on what's going on around them and seeks to find some kind of meaning and purpose in life only from the physical part of life. Those people, he says, are like these little desert shrubs. That's about as big as they're going to get. And life's going to be hard. Life will be difficult. But he says, on the other hand, when you go look at this tree that's planted by a stream, well, that tree grows big, and it's always green, and it produces fruit. And even if it's at a time of drought, or if the sun is just beating down on it, and you have another one of those months of 100-degree days every day, the tree's going to make it. Because its roots are going down deep into that water of that stream. He says those are the people who are, those trees are like the people who put their trust in God. That God is a significant part of their life. God is the one who defines their life. That every day when they get up, it is in their mind and in their hearts, how will today I bring glory to the Lord? What is it that God wants from me today? What kind of person do I need to be today who seeks strength from his word, who seeks strength from talking to him and and having communication with him and living your life with him? He goes on to say that that kind of person does not live in fear. Not always afraid. What if something goes wrong? What would I do if this happens? What would I do if that happens? Because my roots are down deep in God. And I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen. But when it does, and if it does, I'm going to stand. That person is not consumed by worry. Worrying about everything that's going on. In any and all circumstances, that person will remain vital and productive. Just like the tree whose leaves will stay green and will produce fruit. When I was reading that part, I started thinking about how many people I have uh, known, many of them who have passed on now, that illustrated that to me, that went through desert times in their lives, through the drought, through difficult times, but because their roots were down deep, the leaves on that tree remained green. And when I thought of green, you know who I thought about. For those of you who have come along to this congregation in the last two or three years, you you don't know June Green. June was a saint that walked among us and brought so much strength and joy to this church. June lived a wonderful life. She was a high school teacher for many years. They 
owned a frame shop here in San Angelo. She and Al had a wonderful marriage together. It was just good life. Yet June developed pancreatic cancer. And you would have thought that the pain of that disease and the frustration of having something that she knew she could not be cured from would have really sapped her strength. But every one of us who were here during that time can give testimony that June produced fruit all through that. That she remained strong and productive every step of the way because her roots went down deep into the stream of God. And she was able to survive and to make it through what could be something that just destroyed so many of us. Back to the Hebrews passage. Look for those people. Find those people who are productive and who are able to stand through the difficult times of life and imitate their faith. Now, one more thing about this little verse or this passage. On the surface, it sounds like we're talking about two different plants here. We're talking about a plant that just happened to end up out in the desert And there's not much you can do about it. There it is. It's going to live this rather meager life, difficult life. It's just going to be tough all the time. And then this other tree that was fortunate enough to grow beside a stream. And things are always going to be good for that tree. But that's not the point of this passage. There's one little word in this passage that changes everything. It's the word that in most of your Bibles is translated plant. A tree planted beside the water to plant the tree? Well, actually, there is a word in Hebrew that's the normal word for plant if you go out and plant a tree, but this word is different. This is a very unusual word. It's not used very often, and the word means transplanted, and that makes all the difference. That is the good news, because you see, the good news of the Bible, the gospel is, That if you find yourself planted in a desert, and if your growth is stunted, and if you're living in a salt land, and if the heat is bearing down upon you, and you don't know if you can make it, the good news is that even you can be transplanted by the water. It's really the same tree in different circumstances. And the great news is that you can decide that you will live by the water. You can make your own decision. My life will be lived by the stream of God. My roots will go into Him. He will sustain me. Oh, the weather may not always be good. There will be hard times. But I will remain green and vital and productive, for my roots go down deep. Which will it be, the desert or the stream? Let me close out by reading another passage that Paul wrote in Ephesians. He doesn't use the stream and the desert, but he uses death and life. You were dead through your trespasses and sin, in which you once lived, And you just followed the course of this world, 
You were just living your life like everyone else does. What you didn't know, you were following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived just being guided by the desires and passions of our life, following the desires of flesh, doing what we thought was the right thing to do. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loves us, even though we were dead, made us alive. Even though you're in the desert, he will plant you beside the stream. If you but ask and say, this is what I want. We're going to sing a song. We're going to have some people standing around on the sides of this room. If you are living in the desert now and you want to find that stream, then come to one of them. They'll be glad to pray with you to help you. Let's stand and sing together.